Welcome to True Vine Talks with Rachel and Linda. We're back. Woo, we're back. Yeah, so here's a kind of a, a topic that has kind of showed up a lot for me in therapy in the past couple of weeks. That's feeling rejected. Yeah. And when you feel rejected, what happens for you in your relationship? And what happens to your inner child when you feel rejected? And how do you protect yourself from those feelings of rejection? Yeah. What is rejection? Like, I'm trying to make sure that everybody can hear me. I hear you crystal clear. Sounds Drop great. On. Yeah. So we're defining rejection, huh? Yeah. And, um, you sent me some articles and some awesome resources earlier this morning. And I really liked that the one kind of defined it as uh, feeling like your relational value has been lowered. Mm. I thought that was interesting. I'd never mm. thought of it that way. Yeah. Your relational value has been diminished. Hmm. Yeah, that's the core of who we are as animals is to have connection and acceptance and be part of the tribe. Absolutely. That sense of belonging, you know, mm -hmm. on Maslow's hierarchy of needs is so important. So if we feel like we're not going to be able to achieve that, it's really scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not feeling seen, heard, or wanted by people that matter to you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that how you would define it? What's your definition? Yeah. So I was being a cheater and going on the, uh, <laughs> the uh, Google. Um, it's dismissing or refusing someone's uh, reach or their presence, uh, dismissing that person. Nice. Oh, I like that. So like, that's the behavior of rejection. Like that's what's actually happening, right? Yeah. Dismissing or refusing. And then on the receiving end, what you feel is that decrease in value. Mm -hmm. Perceived or fear of not being valued or appreciated. Yeah. So a little story when I was in middle school, uh, you know, when, you know, identity is everything, the social construct, do you have the limited, the Nike, the, the name brand, all that jazz. I don't know why I did yes. that with the hair, but you know. Well, whatever the hairstyle is, the, the eyebrows, the, <laughs> that's always changing too. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't afford any of those things because we were very poor and, uh, there was a, a time where um, another peer looked at my shoes and I may have shared this in another podcast. I can't remember now because we've done 85 or so. So yay for us. So I couldn't afford what was kids. They had the little blue tag yeah. on them. They were leather. We couldn't afford those. So I had what was called Dodds. Dodds of all things, Dodds. And uh, 
one of my peers looked at me and we were standing in the bus line and she looked over at me and said, Linda, what are those? Those are not kids. Those are dots. Wow. Rejection. Yeah. So what do I do? Oh, God. Yes. It's so I... embarrassing. You want to just be invisible in that moment. Like, yeah. my shoes, the brand of my shoes somehow make me less worthy and valuable as a person to, to her in this moment. Yeah, she was popular and smart. And I thought, wow, I'm just really rejected here as a whole. And that felt very um, sad, too. Yeah, feels mm -hmm. terrible. Yeah. And, and those are when, you know, Rachel does such a good job working with our teens is those feelings of being rejected by the popular group or their peers in some way it's so it, you internalize it so much yeah mm -hmm. right. so that's happening yeah right? especially, especially if it keeps happening you know and you, mm -hmm. you know middle school high school it's when you kind of start to have a little crush on somebody mm -hmm. start dating Right. Well, in quotes, as dating as much as you can for that age, right? Middle school, high school, <laughs> you're hanging out, you're talking, whatever. And uh, if they decide, you know, that that little like honeymoon phase or whatever is over, the infatuation ends and they move on and you're just left feeling crushed mm. and rejected, you know, and that just keeps happening. Like, why does nobody want to stay with me? And you know, be my special person. People end up feeling like there must be something wrong with me, mm -hmm. like innately wrong with me as a human being. Yeah. So a way to reframe that as an individual is to be like, well, 10% of people won't like me. Yeah. One out of 10 people in the room won't like me or my personality won't click. And there'll be something about me that doesn't mesh well with all people. There's the logical part that you can use to reframe that, like a cognitive reframe about mm -hmm. feeling rejected. Um, and you might say, well, I like this part of me. I like this quality of being friendly and generous and, you know, this person didn't like that. So they didn't like my qualities. Then maybe, maybe Rachel, if I'd stayed with this person, I would feel like those parts of me can't show up. I can't be my true self. Yeah. Maybe it has nothing to do with your worth and value and everything to do with it not being a good fit mutually both ways yeah so if a person isn't accepting you for who you are or what you bring to the table okay okay so so that's okay that they don't feel like they can you know fit the puzzle with you and make those parts of you shine and you make those parts of them shine 
So it's not compatible, I guess. Is that the right word? Like, compatible? yeah, I think that's exactly the right word. Yeah, it's not mm -hmm. compatible. Yeah. So rejection may save you a lifetime of pain in that sense that, well, if I'd stayed with this person, you know, even though they rejected me, what's going to happen? They're going to that again and again and again. Mm hmm. Yeah. The problem is a lot of people lie in the beginning of relationship. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I and I don't always think it's intentional. I think it's people putting their best foot forward. You know, sometimes it is manipulation if they're a narcissist, but not everybody is a narcissist. Most people want to put their best foot forward when they're meeting someone and they like someone. Maybe they want to impress you. They want to look good. Yeah. So they may not show you all their their qualities of toothpaste on the sink or their socks laying in the floor, or their, you know, whatever bodily functions happen. They're, I mean, people don't <laughs> yeah. show all their cards in the beginning because right. the world is a play and we're all playing in roles here. So we want people to see our best foot forward. And you know, I think that's why the attachment theory is so healthy that transparency builds trust and trust builds bonds. So Dr. Leanne Campbell references that a lot. And I think that's so true is, hey, here's all my parts. Here's what I, what I am. Here's what I bring. I grew up with a tra traumatic childhood and I might be a little edgy. Here's what it is. You know, I like that transparency stuff. Yeah, that that comes out a little bit at a time over a long period of time. Sure. Right? Like we're not going to show up on the first date or whatever and be like, here's all of me. Take it or leave it. <laughs> no. That would be, you know. For someone that you don't really know this other person or how they're going to respond to that. You, we don't want to set ourselves up for rejection. Mm -mm. That would be like fear of like anticipated rejection, right? Like, what is this person going to think of me? And... Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're, yeah, like exactly, Rachel. Like you wouldn't just trauma dump in the, a first meeting with someone, giving them all your things because hey, you're overwhelming their nervous system. And their protector parts may come out and that might feel like rejection, but maybe you're oversharing today. Right. Maybe it's a meet and greet, not a therapy session. Yeah. In relationship, we're talking about in you know, romantic relationships. Yeah. Yeah. But once you're, you know, like, you know, committed, long-term, whatever you want to use to, refer to that you know you've known this person for a long time you feel that that trust and safety is there you do start sharing you know these parts of yourself you know parts of your past and your goals and dreams for the future and what have you yeah it's important that all of that has a safe place to land that it's going to be accepted accepted mm. That word is so meaningful in relationship. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just it's the opposite of rejection, right? (laughs) The opposite of rejection is, do you see me? Do you see that I'm flawed? And will you still accept me? Mm -hmm. Will you look at me and say, that's okay. I see that you're, you have a lot of good qualities too. Who doesn't want to hear that? Oh, I think everybody does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, the types of rejection, and I'm just looking at our notes, there's, you know, in like putting forth your best foot, like sometimes in a couple, the person may doll up that day or it's getting ready to be Valentine's Day. So we're going on a date and I want to look good for you. and you know, if the partner, the other partner doesn't notice your effort, what happens on the inside? Yeah, you feel kind of ignored, maybe. Mm-hmm. Right? They didn't notice, they're not paying attention, they must not care. Mm-hmm. And when you yeah. feel like someone doesn't care, what happens next? You feel hurt. Right. And so you're either going to lash out, right, out of anger, right? I don't deserve this hurt that I'm experiencing, this defensive Mm -hmm. response, or you're going to feel ashamed and you're going to withdraw. You're going to go inward and isolate, distance yourself and detach. Yeah. And then the other partners over there going, hey, where did you go? Or, whoa, what's this reaction about if it's anger, right? Like, yeah. yeah. What's the anger about? Of course, if they haven't been in EFIT or emotionally focused couples therapy, the language looks different. It's like the attack, attack. Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't notice I was, I was dressed up for you. Well, you didn't notice I worked out. Or you didn't, you know, just these, you know, the arrows keep coming. and. Then you're in the whole negative cycle and demon dialogue. Because that find the bad guy, you know. Find the bad guy, or um, yeah, when it's really about that feeling of rejection from your partner that sent you into the reactive behavior of the protest. Mm-hmm. And the protest lands when your partner like, what? Huh? Who? What did I do? <laughs> right. What? Where? When? What? Yeah. yeah. So, so then you just there's that part there that happens so quickly in rejection. Would you say yeah, so? it's fast? Yeah, it's really fast. Yeah. I think. Yeah, and you don't even know it's happening. Yeah. Or for a lot of people, it's um, if it's not fast. It builds up and it builds up and it Mm. builds up over time. And they're just collecting this jar of hurt and rejection. And then when their partner feels rejected and brings it up or tries to communicate or, or lashes out, the lid comes off that jar and they're rehashing the last six months of, right? And their partner's like, you never told me about any of this what does this have to do with what i just said 
Yeah. Good point, Rachel. Very valid point. What what is it? What does the last six months have to do with right now? What's happening right now? And that's mm -hmm. what we do as couples therapists is we those little minor injuries throughout the bond and in time that weren't visited. Everything was left unsaid, like you said, that was put in a jar, rejection, the minor slights, the not good mornings, the just those little things that we don't do for each other as rejection yeah. or a feeling of rejection. Yeah. So I think when we're talking about rejection in relationships, I think it's important to do some self-reflection and be aware of what do you currently do? when you're feeling rejected? Do you stockpile those moments in a jar and wait for the right moment to let it all out? Do you lash out immediately every time? Or do you detach and, and withdraw and go into your turtle shell like we mentioned last time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what makes you do that behavior? Is it because of your inner child when she felt or he felt not seen, not heard from a primary caregiver, like you were being, you know, rejected by them in some way. How did you manage that as a kid? Like, how do you manage that rejection? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not measuring up here oh well wow am I not measuring up with my partner either I couldn't get it right from a caregiver now I can't get it right from my partner well damn it I don't care mm. yeah why try so you, yeah. you withdraw or you protest right because if I keep trying and I keep caring I'm just going to keep ending up feeling like a failure mm -hmm. and getting rejected over and over. Right. So, you know, you learn that that kind of shrugging your shoulders, throwing the towel in protects you from that hurt and that shame of rejection. The fear of rejection is drives a lot of negative interactions and behaviors. So, yeah. Yeah, if I felt kind of like I could never get close enough to a caregiver, right? Like they were always distracted or more interested in what they had going on. They didn't delight in me or cherish me. If mm -hmm. I'm talking, if I'm talking to my partner, and I'm asking them all these questions about their day, and then they don't ask me about my day, or they don't respond with like you know that like just being really attuned and paying attention, I'm I'm gonna that's gonna trigger my inner child. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna feel so hurt and and, and abandoned and betrayed by that. Mm -hmm. Why aren't they putting in the same effort? as mm -hmm. me why don't they cherish me the way i cherish them mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So a lot of the time, the, the things, those moments that we feel rejection in link back to those unmet needs in childhood. That's why we keep bringing up that inner child. Mm -hmm. Well stated, Rachel. Unmet needs that are linked to the inner child feeling not seen, not cared for, not heard, dismissed, not respected. Not respected. Be seen, not heard. Don't be seen. Don't be heard. Don't exist. Don't exist. I don't even know why I had a kid, more or less. Like, you, you mean, you're sitting there asking yourself, why did you have me again? Why did you, would, you know, as the kid, no. you're saying, well, you know, I didn't ask to be here. Right. In that sense. And, you know, the, the people that I've been thrust to earth with don't want me. I'm kind of stuck here, sort of helpless, uh, dependent financially for my yeah. survival needs. But there's a rejection too. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yucky. Very yucky. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why in EFIT, we work with the inner child and in trying to assist the older, wiser part of ourselves to reparent the inner Absolutely. child. Yeah. And that's emotionally focused individual therapy. Which sounds mm -hmm. like a workout, right? <laughs> it is a workout. It is a workout for your mind, mental, emotional workout. Ask yeah. anyone that's been to that type of therapy. They, they leave like, and they're like, oh, I need to go chill. I need a nap now. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think it is about the therapy that kind of exhausts the nervous system? I think it's like, it's making it. I mean, real in the room in that moment, right? We're we're deepening the emotion. We want to bring it alive. Mm -hmm. you know, like that sadness or that fear, that hurt. Like we want to in a safe, confined space. You know, we don't want to re-traumatize or relive horrible moments, but we want people to get comfortable with emotion. And how else are you supposed to get comfortable and allow yourself to feel emotion, but, but to practice, right? So like, I'm going, I'm imagining this moment when my partner rejected me and this mm. is what I felt in my body mm -hmm. and this is how I wanted to respond. And by answering those types of questions, like we're bringing it alive. Like I said, the, the, the client begins to really feel that again in that moment. Mm. And they can learn like, oh, okay, I can be, I can manage this. Mm. I, I, I can withstand this, right? I can take it. And they start to feel more in control, right? Of their emotions versus the emotions being in control of them. Mm -hmm. That's so good, Rachel. That's so well said. That corrective experience there is okay. You you felt ignored here, younger self, and and I want to help you not feel ignored. I see you, and I'm here with you. What do you need from my older, wiser self in this moment where you know your parents are fighting and you're feeling alone? What 
what can I do right now? And and your younger self will sometimes in these interactions, we call it the empty chair technique, okay, with your, your younger self and older, wiser self, is you can like be there for them and, and say, hey, what do you need right now while your parents are in the background yelling at each other? And the inner child says, well, I could use a hug. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like Rachel said in our one of our last podcasts, what is the, just a little blankie or a little bear or a little warmth there. And, and when you do that over and over again, the inner child soothes and the vulnerability starts to, you know, become more alive in you as an adult. So you can be like, oh, I felt rejected when you didn't notice all the work I put into this for you. I felt rejected. And then I don't want to be close to you when I feel that. Yeah. It's that in between that I think people it gets it gets confusing a little bit. Yeah, because in the moment as it's happening. You're so not aware that Mm -hmm. this is related to past experiences and this is your inner child. And so it's important to, after something like that happens, do this like reflecting and processing, like we're talking about, you know, like, wow, why did I respond that way? What happened? What was like the, that first domino that fell over that, that, you know, started this whole reaction Mm. and a lot of times when we're working with people and and we're bringing that emotion alive in the room we might ask how old did you feel Mm. when that was happening you know when you stormed off and you slammed the door because you felt rejected and hurt like do you remember how old you felt in that moment and they'll say something like Oh, I just felt like I was 16 again. And, you know, my parents just didn't respect me. They were treating me like a child still, and I wasn't allowed to do anything or whatever, you know. And so that's our our key into like, okay, can you picture that part of yourself, that 16-year-old? Go ahead, Linda. What were you going to say? Oh, no, you're doing a great job, Rachel. Yeah. Yeah, so that that part where you said the 16-year-old, what did that part need? Uh, Autonomy, power, um, control. The 16-year-old needed all those things. Mm -hmm. Parents weren't giving them an opportunity to critically think or fail on their own or have a a say or a voice there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you would like, you know, say, well, if you could protest to your parents right now, what would that look like? Yeah. Hey, I got this. I know right from wrong. I can go to this party and do just fine. Let me do it. Let me let me try. And then you give that part of yourself permission to have autonomy. When your parents wouldn't let you have autonomy. Yeah. So it's like we're healing that that past event mm-hmm. that's coming back up in the present. And mm-hmm. we're also making sense of a moment in time 
you know, with your partner that you then will have the words to share with them versus I can't believe you did that. Or, you know, it, it's, it's more clear than you hurt my feelings, which is important to share, mm -hmm. but not, not as, not as black and white as when you did this, right. It, it activated that part of me that longs for this mm. need, right? And you'd be specific about it, autonomy or to be understood, you know, whatever that need is, right? Mm -hmm. And I responded with defense or by walking away or because that felt safer in that moment than expressing mm -hmm. hurt. Very well said. And keep in mind, if your partner has any familiarity with attachment or has read it, hold me tight, or they're going to be lost. So if you're. That's true. <laughs> we use a lot of therapy language, right? When we're talking about this stuff on the podcast and not everyone has ever heard that before. That's very new to people. Yeah. So familiarize yourself with attachment theory or therapy, be fit, you know, hold me tight work in order to make sense out of your own inner child experiences and your adult relationship. Because this, what we're talking about won't make any sense to you if you have no familiarity with that. Would you say that's accurate, Rachel? I or yes, I would say that that's accurate. Yeah. What are some good book recommendations, putting us on the spot, both of us, for people who are not familiar with attachment, but would like to kind of begin learning the language and the basics? Yeah. Attached, I think, mm -hmm. is the title of one book. It's like the the new language of love or something like that by... By Amir Levine and Rachel yes. F. Heller. Yes, that's a great one. Um, I love the emotionally focused couples therapy for dummies. And I don't know why they keep dummies on there because it's very, um, to me, seems complex, although they keep it very basic. Um, I'm trying to think of some more. Or some more. I will think of some more. And yeah, we can share them later. It's just. You got to familiar, familiarize, I can't use that word correctly there or say it right, is what is attachment or do some YouTube videos on what does it mean to have secure attachment versus non-secure attachment? Yeah. Raising a secure, a secure child is a good one. If you're struggling in your parent relationship, like with your child, if you're feeling rejected by them or... Um, feeling frustrated and fed up, it 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 kind of links, you know, what might be happening now between you and your child to what happened with you and your parents, and how that might be having a, a play. Mm hmm. We are so complex. Oh, stuff that happened so long ago that might have seemed so minor. You know, mm -hmm. or huge if it's huge, you know, but I mean, just you think, oh, the past is in the past. That that shouldn't be affecting me now. It does. And it <laughs> will continue to. <laughs> Pretty much. 
And it takes a long time. Like it took, you know, the first 18 years of being with your parents. It takes like 10 years or more to correct all the, the things that didn't go in a way that was healthy for you because we're imperfect people. Yeah. You know, and even the best of intentions, you don't get it right for people. Yeah. You can, you have no control over how someone's going to interpret what you say or do. Well said. And that's what leaves the lasting impression, unfortunately, right? Is, is how did that person interpret? Not, not what you meant, not what your intentions were. How was it interpreted by the, uh, on the receiving end? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So them not acknowledging all the doll up you did for them that day, maybe they're working on something they thought mattered to you, like painting a room or, you know, something like that, or building a, you know, a hot tub or something, which I love have a hot tub. <laughs> I would love to have a hot tub. Maybe they were out there building a hot tub and then you were like upset because they didn't notice your doll up, but they're doing something for you as an act of service of love. Yeah. And that's something how we miss it. Mm-hmm. And so often it gets missed. Right. Mm-hmm. When we're working with couples, we, we hear it over and over again. You know? Yeah. Yeah. How come you overlooked my effort? Didn't you see that I was trying to get you to notice me? I just got my hair did and a new outfit. And <laughs> you didn't even notice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's important to keep in mind that all people feel sometimes a little rejected by their partner or other people not because people are out to, to, to make them feel that way. It's just sometimes our own internal experiences that we've had trigger those feelings of not being accepted. Is that right? Absolutely. Right. It's like, we've got this, this, um, I just lost the word for it. What do we call it in EFT? A soft spot. That's not it. Raw spot. Raw spot. Thank you. Yeah. Job. Yeah, raw spot. Yeah. You know, like we've talked about in other podcasts, if you look at me a certain way and it reminds me of the person that hurt me as a kid, I'm going to be my raw spots rub there and I'm going to fear that the feelings are going to still show up because our brain, this, you tell me if I got this right, our brain does, does not differentiate time from experiences and memory that even I don't think it does it very well I don't yeah I don't have like a resource I can cite for that of of research but I I think you're absolutely right yeah I read that or heard that in a book I was reading and I was like that's true the memory doesn't differentiate the time frame in which I'm in Mm -mm. yeah I describe it uh, to clients all the time as, you know, like when that happened, your brain had a filing cabinet that it was going through and it pulled out a file where something looked like, sounded like, felt like that before. Mm -hmm. And that folder had all these examples 
and it set off the alarm. It, it, you know, pulled the fire alarm, mayday, mayday, this doesn't end well. Mm. We need to respond immediately. Yep. Fight, flight, freeze, or feigning, yeah. Yeah, we've got this, like, inner security guard that's, like, always, you know, there on watch, on duty, yeah. scanning the environment, protecting you mm -hmm. from rejection, you know, among all these other things. Because rejection is so hurtful. And so painful, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where we're going from there, Rachel. Can you tell me? Well, I'm, going, I'm going with, but you know, interpersonal relationships are mm. so innately important to us as human beings that, you know, we're so alert to threat within them, you know? Mm. And when we perceive a threat, again, it's all about perception. Uh, it prompts us to take action. Well stated. And that's how important connection is to to every human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so true. Hmm. Well, another approach, which is kind of the op opposite, I can't speak, the opposite of what you just said there would be the stoicism. Am I saying that right? Stoicism? S-T-O-I-C-I-S-M? I've always said stoicism, but I could be wrong. Um, I'm not sure. I pronounce it wrong all the time. Well, I used to pronounce Gallipolis as Galopolis. Don't ask me. Galopolis, <laughs> let's go to Galopolis. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm messing it up. Stoicism or whatever. The philosopher would say, you know, if someone ignores you, like say you're in a Zoom call and a person is not being as validating towards you as they are the other participants, or they don't give you any cred for what you shared. The stoic way of managing that as a person, as an individual, is to mirror that right back to them. I think that's a, a way to handle like real rejection, you know? Rejection. Because there's different types. There's also like anticipated rejection, which uh, leads to social anxiety. Like, ugh, like what are people going to think of me? Mm -hmm. I really don't know. And most of the time they're not going to reject you. Right. Or remembered rejection. Like, uh, I don't want to be around this person because I really embarrassed myself and I feel so guilty or ashamed of this behavior uh, mm -hmm. or imagined, which is what we've talked about a lot here. Right. Like your partner was working on painting a room or putting in a hot tub and you, you know, were dolled up and they didn't notice. It wasn't like real rejection. They weren't betraying or abandoning you. But it felt mm -hmm. that way. Sure. You know, since all the different kinds. And then, but if someone's really rejecting you, they're constantly criticizing you. They've betrayed you. They're ignoring you. And not just like a temporary silent treatment. 
you know, like that's not okay. That's not healthy or good. But this is like, they're always ignoring you. They're ostracizing you. They're acting like you don't exist. They're, they want nothing to do with you. That's when you just mirror back the same behavior. Yeah, absolutely. Try not to react emotionally. No, don't, don't react emotionally if, if you can prevent that. Yeah. That will save you a lot of pain too is, you know, move on. And in the stoic, uh, my son likes stoic. He got me interested in it. It's just, just move on to your own interests and pleasure and hobbies and self building and, you know, not focus on that one person who didn't receive you, you know, just mirror that back. Well, okay. We aren't for each other and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's healthy or safe to continue to try to be around someone that doesn't respect you, value you, mm -hmm. or even like you. Right? Like, let's walk away. And how that might look in the workplace is uh, you say the bare minimum politeness and move on. Yeah. Just stay uh, cordial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that fear of rejection and, and feelings of rejection can show up in all, all areas of life. And I think Rachel and I, are, what we're trying to communicate to you is that you won't always feel accepted. And then if you have a relationship cue that you feel your raw spot gets rubbed and you feel rejected, we want you to take a step back and maybe communicate that to your partner in a way that's helpful and not, you know, persecutory towards that person. And you just say, hey, you know, I, I got all dolled up for you and, you know, was hoping for some wonderful intimacy with you and then you were gone and away from me so I felt rejected yeah so that's that's how you name it to tame it as Dan Siegel says and Rachel taught me so well is name it to tame it mm -hmm. absolutely yeah mm -hmm. I guess my uh, kind of last words what I hope everyone takes away is your value does not change based on other people's thoughts, feelings, or behavior, right? If someone else is not able to appreciate or see your worth, that has nothing to do with how valuable or important you are. Mm -hmm. God made you wonderfully and beautifully in your mama's womb. Yeah. And if other people can't see it, move on. Yeah. Move on. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope this was helpful for our listeners. If you know you're wanting to do some eFit therapy or emotionally focused couples therapy, we do offer that. Um, you know, I think Rachel's book right now, and I, I have a couple of openings, so we'd love to be able to help you with those inner child wounds and feelings of rejection. Yes. Until next time, everybody take care. Bye. Bye.